Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. I'm really going to want to. Okay, go ahead. Um, but she was like, she was telling her friend, she was like, so there's 40 people in here. Could you imagine if there were 40 people sitting in this room in front of us? And it's the same thing. Like, it's literally the yeah. same thing. We just feel different because we're behind a computer screen. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, to me, it's the exact same concept of paper money versus online bank account. It just doesn't seem the same. It's like pretend it's like, like you said, if there were, if there were six women who came over my house and sat in my living room every single Monday, Wednesday morning, and we had coffee and we talked, it would be a lot different than doing it on zoom. Yeah. And I hate that the world is getting more and more into electronic communication, like the metaverse and everything that's happening where you don't even have to get together with someone. You can have coffee virtually in your living room, like in Paris. I think there's something about like our body's frequency and and energy exchange though, about being in person that makes it different from being online. And I think that's, I think that's the piece that we're actually missing. Like that human kind of connection in that way where we can feel energy from someone. I mean, you can sometimes feel energy like through um, like phone calls and things like this, but not as much as like your actual body's frequency, like near somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Melanie says, I would so rather be in person. <laughs> Same. So, so <laughs> Same, but like, don't make me go back to work and sit in an office. No, 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 you know? no. This, this is a, a this is fine in person. <laughs> yeah, but it really does make you not realize and be grateful and thankful for how far you're coming. I've been listening to uh, Pastor Stevic Furtick, Stevic Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church this past Sunday, so yesterday and the Sunday before. His two sermons have been so good and so amazing. And he, he's been talking about the story of Joseph. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, just go read Genesis, like Genesis, um, I don't know, maybe like 40, um, ish somewhere in there. And they, they talk about Joseph and he was the favorite son and his brother sold him into slavery and he was a prisoner of the Pharaoh. And then he was wrongfully convicted. His wife said that he was trying to, that he was trying to rape her and really she just wanted him. And so she like, you know, false alarm, like take this man. So he was wrongfully imprisoned for years and years and years. He was forgotten about in this dungeon. Like literally they forgot he was there and all this stuff, but you can see how God had his hand on Joseph's life. And now you could see once it's over, you can look and see God was with Joseph. And it's hard to see that when we're in the moment, 
because nothing feels like it is and emotions really cloud that. And we're in a society where we're so focused on like more and bigger and, and what's next and keep going and what's the next level and what's the next thing. And what do we do from here? And we're so focused on the future that we really forget about the now. And that's what pastor Furtick's message is about that. He preached yesterday that I was listening to this morning while I was getting ready. And I was really applying that to so many areas of my life, especially if you're a driven person. Like we've talked about that. And I know Alicia, I know you are. Um, we've read that the book called Driven. And if you've always felt a little different, like a little off, a little strange in a good way, but you kind of don't know if it's a good way and you felt a little crazy and just different than the majority of people that you're around growing up, you could be this person that's labeled as driven. And I don't really like labels. But the only reason why I like labels is because it brings people together with similar situations and you can expose your scars and you can share your stories and you can heal and you can form community through empathy and relatability. That's so important, but we all kind of have this, like this need to keep going and want more and more and more, but six people on a zoom is six people on a zoom. 40 people is 40 people, like 40 people in a room. How many followers do you have on Instagram? That's a lot of followers. I don't care if you said you have 312. The 312 people that said, I'm going to follow her. 312 people. Think of that sitting in a room. My church services have 300 in a service. Like that is a lot of people. And if the goal is always what's next and what's more and keep going and, and we're always so focused on the future and I'm preaching to myself because I am a visionary. I am a future minded, driven individual that I have to see the next 20 steps into the future. I've always been like that, but something's happened in me recently where I've realized that that's almost a sense of control. And it's almost like I idolize myself. And idols are anything that we worship, anything that we hold value over God. So like me trying to control and manipulate my future and try to think of like, what do I want to do? And how, how am I going to do this? And really just overthinking and like that hustle culture that we see so often, that's really like you're idolizing yourself. Like I can do this and I know what's best and I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to, and I'm going to move forward instead of just letting God lead your life and, and move you to where you need to be. And we've talked before about being distracted. One of my favorite podcasts I ever did was called Distractions. I don't know what number it is. It's probably in the forties, somewhere in like the late forties, but it is so good because it talks about robbing you from what you're supposed to do today because you're so focused on tomorrow. And you don't need to do that. You need to be focusing on what's going on now because this number of people or this number of things sold or dollars made or time spent, it's always, you always want it to be more. It's never like, oh, I, I just feel so content and happy and I'm just, I'm done. Everything I, everything I'm, I'm wanted to do is just done. Like accomplish, accomplish. There's always more. And especially if you're a driven person, that book is so good because you do just feel like I'm not crazy. Like you feel oh. like I found 
found my people. Oh my, yeah. Like even things that he says, you're like, that's why I do that. That makes so much sense now. Like my favorite thing that he ever said, and it gave me, it really gave me the freedom. And I share all the time that when you're vulnerable and you shared hard truths, it is like the key to unlock someone's prison cell. So I've been keeping myself in this cell of every couple of months, Taryn wants to change your mind. Like, oh, here we go. We're like writing a book. Oh, just kidding. We're making a course. Oh, just kidding. We're taking time off. Oh, nope. We're going to do this. Like, it's always like, I'm going to create this. I'm going to create this. And my whole life, I've hated that about myself because I've been told that it wasn't the right thing to be doing. It was that limiting belief. Someone told me like, you're just too all over the place. You're like too flighty. You need to like pick something and just stick with it. I mean, how times, how many times have we heard that or hear parents say that to kids with sports or, and, and it's not like anybody said that to me because they really wanted to tear me down. Like most things that are said to us as we're growing up and especially these limiting beliefs that we catch and hold on to, they were set out of love. They were set out of someone really thinking that this was going to help you. And it's not true. And he says in the book that if you're a really driven person, your mind just goes so fast. And that's actually what's great for you because you are able to hop from thing to thing, which is the way to get to the top of something. Like I've shared before that Amazon originally was just an online book library. That's what Amazon started as, an online library where you could buy physical books. Amazon has another part of their company now called Audible, and they have a whole book section on their site, but Amazon is not known for selling books and, and being a library online. But what they did is they turned and pivoted and stepped up and then pivoted and then stepped up and pivoted. And when you're driven and your mind is able to just go faster and you're a creative and you're a little different, you can make those hops faster. Like go and read Jeff Bezos story of how he grew up and what he did. You will see that you will see the jumps. Like he went to college here, switched, jumped over here, created this, sold it, switched, came over here, made this, sold it, came over here, did this, sold it, came over. Like he wasn't just holding on to one thing. He didn't just go to college and get a good job of a nine to five and work there till he was 60 and retire. Like that's what we have been programmed to do. And think, thankfully it's 2022 and more people have been waking up because younger generations who are growing up with the technology and the opportunity for the tech world and the electronic world that they're kind of evolving and shaping the world they're coming in and getting CEO positions over people who are 50, over people who have 50 years. Like they're like, Hey, move over. We're upgrading. We're changing. And that's the shift we're seeing in the world. But if you're trying to shift or you feel like something is your reality or your truth or something you naturally do, but nobody has said that that's okay. And nobody has said like, Oh, that's normal. Or I do that too. You walk around your whole life feeling like I'm weird. I'm strange. Why do I do this? And you start just hating yourself and resenting yourself. And you're like, here I am changing my mind again. And Mel, um, Becca just put in the chat, I was always told to make up your mind. And that's the belief that goes into us. Make up your mind. 
Or I realized a limiting belief the other day and I stopped dead in my tracks while I was listening to one of Florence Scovel Shin's audiobooks. Anytime that I have less than 15 minutes that I'm getting ready in my bathroom, I turn on one of her books. If it's more than 15 minutes, I turn on a sermon. But if it's just a quick 15 minutes, like do a couple things, I will listen to Florence books on my Alexa. And my favorite book of hers for you to start with is called The Game of Life and How to Play It. The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. You need to start listening to this. And even in little snippets of time like that, because just hearing her say, like everything she says is so packed full. And when your spirit connects with something she says, you need to write it down. And I write it down on my bathroom mirror because then I can see it and it's in front of me and I can kind of recite it and I leave it up until it no longer connects with my spirit. And sometimes I'll get a whole list of things going on my mirror. And sometimes I'll only have two things on my mirror for a while. But I know that if I'm listening and learning and I'm connected with God, that things will connect with my spirit and I will be writing them down on my mirror. So you can actually almost tell how far along I am in my journey and how much time I'm spending with God, which equals how happy I feel and where I'm at in the valley. Like you don't even have to talk to me at all. You don't even have to see me. If you came in my house and saw that my mirror was full of statements that spoke to my spirit, you know that I am on a peak or I'm, I'm headed there. I am not in a dark spot. I am not in a dark emotion. I'm probably being really nice to my family. I'm in a good mood with my husband. I'm not overspending. I'm not overeating. It's all connected. Every single thing of it is connected because as I'm writing, I'm, I've gotten 4,000 words written of my book, which go me. That's a huge celebration for me because for so long, it was that block. And I realized now, and I'm going to tell you my limiting belief that I realized in a second, but I realized, and I realized it in the moment, but because I was in the moment and I don't really trust myself and I wasn't trusting God like I should. I knew while I was procrastinating that it was for my good. And I, I even said, like, I know that I'm not doing it because I'm not ready to do it. If I was ready to do it, I would be doing it. Like if, if you're ready to build your website or launch your coaching course, you would be doing it. And if you, and I, I know some of you have experienced this where all of a sudden you just like get the task done. Like you, you had it on your calendar for a week to call the dentist and every day you just like procrastinate and you don't call and you don't call and you don't call. And then one day you're just like driving in your car and you call and you're like, Oh, that was, I can like cross this off my list. Why did I procrastinate? You just weren't ready. And when you're ready, you do stuff. And Alicia and I recorded a podcast before called the gift of procrastination. And it's one of the highest viewed podcast episodes that we have on this channel it's in the forties somewhere, go and listen to that. If you struggle with procrastinating, because it is your soul telling you we're not ready. This isn't ready. Hang on a second. It's God connecting with you and saying, just hold on a second. If I would have written this book last, last year, when I had outlined it and I wanted to write it, it would be nowhere near like it is being written today nowhere near it. And as I'm writing it, I'm thinking all of this stuff I'm writing about are things that I just realized things that I just woken up to things that I just, and, and I thought that I had arrived a year ago and was ready to write the book. 
my selfish desires wanted me to write the book, the, the like accomplishment of writing the book, the money of writing a book. Those are the things that I was thinking of a year ago. Now I'm not thinking of those things at all, but God needed to wait and strip me of pride and strip me of control and strip me of all of these things and give me these aha moments in order to write the book. The limiting belief that I heard from Florence and I realized that I have always believed this and it's what I've constantly been beating myself up over. And if I go back and listen to all my recorded coaching calls with my coach that I had for six months straight, every single one of them would have talked about this. If you go and ask my therapist I talked to for a whole year last year, she would tell you that every single time we were in the session, I talked about getting on a schedule. Why can't I just get on a schedule? Why can't I wake up at a certain time, make my bed, take my vitamins, drink my water, do my morning stretches, read my affirmations, take a shower, do my studies, do my call, eat a healthy breakfast that's planned, eat a healthy lunch that's planned, eat a healthy dinner, know what we're having, have groceries, take my PM vitamins. Why can't I just stay on this schedule and be a routine person? Like I see all these other adults being, and in order, this was my limiting belief in order to be a successful adult, you have to stick to a schedule. And this has always been my thing. And the, the thing that Florence said that literally I was like, oh my gosh, like it was the most freeing thing I heard. It just, it literally released that need to schedule my day. And it really, it really re released the guilt that I was like, oh my gosh, what I'm doing is actually right. And she said that you need to live. The problem is that most people force themselves into this schedule and they're so focused on the schedule that the divine blessings of their life can't even come through because you're so focused on sticking to your schedule. Like you have a schedule and the phone rings and you don't have time to answer the phone because you have back-to-back -back calls or you're working out or you're, and, and you know, don't take me wrong. Like, of course you need to be like, this is what I want to do today. And we need to be driven. We need to be not lazy and just, oh, whatever, I guess I'll just go with the flow. Like there are times where we have to push ourselves to get things done and to, you know, show up and do stuff, but we don't have to do it to the extreme of blocking every single thing happening. And her truth statement that she had was let the divine spirit lead me through my actions, my consciousness and my connections. And I wrote it on my mirror and I've really been thinking about it that how I've been living without a super tight schedule is actually how you should be living so that it gives opportunity for God to talk to you, for him to steer you in a different direction, for the wind to blow and you kind of go where he wants you to go. It's letting go of control. And I've always been a very controlling person, very type A, very like, this is how it needs to go. And I've come a really long way. We all have. But instead of being so focused on the end goal and the end future of who you want to be, maybe you're super controlling right now. And all you can think of every single day is I just want to like not be controlling. I just want to let this go. I just want to let this go. And if that's all you're thinking about, it's going to be very hard to let it go 
What you need to do, these things that are holding you back, these things that you don't want anymore, like these chains. So it could be like you have massive shame and guilt and you just cannot let go of what happened to you. Or you have so much anger and resentment in your heart that that person wronged you and they messed with you and I want to give them what they deserve. It might be that's a chain holding you back, that judgment, that anger. It might be an addiction a drug addiction. Maybe you've been eating gummies or smoking weed and you don't want to. And you're like, why do I keep doing this? I don't want to do this anymore. But every time that you're in a bad mood or you're feeling tired or you make an excuse like, oh, I'll just, I'll go have a glass of wine and that will give me the motivation to do what I need to do. Or I'll go in and I'm really sad right now or angry, upset. So I'm just, you know what, forget it. I'm going to, I'm just going to go eat or I'm going to go shopping. And the reason why I'm saying all this stuff is because this is me. Like, I want, I want people to know that I struggle so bad. Like, I don't want anyone for a second to think that things are easy because they're not. Things are not easy. Life is hard. I shared a podcast last episode ago called Tension. And it was about my arguing with my husband and this tension that's been in my life. And there's been a lot of tension in my life, but why, again, I have this urgency to write the book, the Valley is because even me who is writing a book about the Valley and who has been living in this reality for years, even me, when I'm in the Valley, I don't know I'm in the Valley. I still cannot consciously separate my emotions and see things for how they are because my emotion of hormones or anger or stress or irritability, these emotions that I have, they literally cloud my focus. And I don't feel like the problem is me. I feel like the problem is everyone else. Everyone else is annoying. Everyone else is irritating. My husband isn't loving to me. And I become the victim because my perspective is off. And I truly, to my core, would fight to my death to tell you that it is not me. It's his tone. It's her arguing. It's her sassy mouth. It is not me. But I was talking to my husband and and opening up because I have been praying every day and I've been asking people to pray for me. And I've been telling people, which there's so much power in speaking the struggles that you're going through, confessing the sins or the problems or the issues that you're going through. There is, and I'm not saying like, you know, go confess your sins and like, you won't be forgiven unless you do. You only need to confess them to God. You don't need to confess them to anyone else. You don't need to make an appointment. You don't need to go to a church. You don't need to tell a person in order to be forgiven. You are forgiven if you just ask, but there is power in speaking that and saying, I need help. I have an attitude problem. I have an anger problem. I need help. I need to let go of my pride. I need to put it aside. I need prayer. And for me, it's my attitude all the time. It's my attitude and it's because I'm triggered and I don't know how to handle those triggers. And like one thing for me, a huge, huge trigger for me is running late. Anytime that I'm, that I'm running late, it's a trigger. I start stressing. I start yelling. I start like freak, like literally like freaking out, like inside, like I can't talk to anybody, like get yourself like, like I just am like freaking out and everyone's like, just calm down. Like it just calm down. 
And when I was talking to my husband the other day about these issues and things that I'm experiencing, um, I was realizing that I do all these things when I'm in the Valley the same way. So like when I'm in the Valley, I'm not writing on my mirror because I'm not really listening or reading anything. I also have an attitude and I'm always running late, always. So I'm, I have no joy and I'm always stressed out and I'm always yelling at my kids. I also am not taking care of myself. So I'm not taking my vitamins. I'm not drinking water. I'm not eating healthy. I'm usually really not even like getting super ready and I'm just like getting by. I'm like, whatever, I'll just wear this shirt again. Like, and I don't realize it, but what happens is then I feel really tired because I'm not taking care of myself and I don't have energy. And so I'm not working out. And because I'm eating like crap, I feel like crap. And so I'm more irritable and more moody. And it's like this whole entire cycle. I start overspending because I'm reaching for anything that's going to make me feel better. So I'm like over shopping, over spending over Amazon every day is coming to my house. Like, and there are things that I really feel like I need. Like, let me just say that. Like, I really feel like I'm like, no, we really need this. It's not like just random things. But my point is that you, you start to kind of like, like all these things really just start to add up. And then it's really hard to see the truth and see what's really happening when you have all these like lenses on top of each other. And although you think it's going to feel good, like it feels good doing all these things because it just feels good in the moment. It doesn't feel good long-term and long-term it actually makes you feel worse. And that's like, that's like coping. There's a whole chapter in my book called coping because that's the whole point of coping with something is that I can't handle this. I'm going to do this instead. And that is an idol. So for me, work being a workaholic, that was one of the things is I can't handle this stress. I'm just going to pour everything I have into work. I'm going to manipulate it. I'm going to control it. I'm going to try to do what I want with this. And, and that's going to be my focus. And that was my idol. My idol was myself. Instead of taking it and turning it over to God and confessing it and talking about it and praying about it and letting God work through me, the very first, if you've ever been through recovery, the 12 steps of recovery, the very first step is admitting that you are powerless to change without God. And there's a whole podcast on it. I think it's episode 34 and it's called admit. And we can't do life on our own. We cannot, it's, it's everywhere in the Bible. We cannot do this on our own. And if you try to do it on your own, it's going to be really exhausting. And I can see the fruits of your life. I can tell that you're trying to do it on your own. Like you can actually see this in somebody. If somebody's life is getting worse and worse and worse and worse, they're not leaving their life up to God and they're not being obedient and they're not doing what God's telling them to do. It's very simple. It, you will have fruits of the Lord if you do what you're supposed to do. If you slow down, and I'm not saying like just follow the commandments because we, we can't or just follow like don't sin or do anything wrong. No, we can't do that. That's impossible, but using your life day to day, minute by minute saying, I cannot do this without you. I tried to change my attitude and my pride and my control for a really long time. You guys would have no idea how mean and irritated I can be at my husband. I didn't even see it until my sweet, precious children started calling me out 
and that doesn't feel good. I don't know if you guys like ever have your kids call you out on stuff and that never feels good. Like, even if I say the word stupid, Skylar is like, mom, we don't talk like that. I'm like, okay, you're right. Like anything I say, she corrects me, but my son Dominic has started correcting me with, and not like correcting me, like in a disrespectful way, but he said the other day, uh, he was telling me about, a, he was at my parents' house and they kind of got into it. And so Dominic was like, oh yeah, you know, they were, they were fighting about this. And he was telling me, and I said, I'm not like super mean like that with dad. Right. And he just like kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. I am not that mean. And like, I don't do that. He's like, yeah, you kind of do. And then I'm like, no, I don't. It's not that bad. Like, and I really, because it's like my tone and it's my timing, you know, all those things like really make a big, make a big deal, your tone and your timing. And so I'm like, maybe it's just that. And then I told my husband last night about what Dominic said. And he said, well, you know, Sophia said the other day when you were mad about the ice, there was, he took my whole bag of ice that I had and he took it and put it in the cooler and used it the day before. So there was no ice in the house. And I felt like I was just like, okay, why did you take that ice? Like we needed it. Like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I guess my tone and my timing was bad. And my daughter said to my husband, gosh, why does mom have to be so mean to you? And John said, he's like, I wasn't going to tell you that Sophia said that. But since you said Dominic said that, I mean, take it for what it's worth. And I really realized that we cannot see our struggles as clear and as precise as someone from the outside can. Okay, perfect example. You can see the flaws in someone else's parenting in 30 seconds at Target. Like this kid comes in, you know, they're screaming, they're crying, they're making, they're having a fit, they're on the floor, they're running through the store, anything. It is so quick for us to judge. Like there was this mom the other day in, in uh, JCPenney. Yeah, I was in a JCPenney, I know. Um, I haven't been there in so long. And I went in there and there was this mom, like <clears throat> just yelling at her daughter. It was maybe four and she kept counting and her daughter would like run away and she would call her. I think her name was like Adriana or something. And she was like, Adriana, and then one, two, three. And her daughter never came. And I heard her count maybe five or six times. And I told my son that was with me. I was like, why does she keep counting as if she's going to do something? Even I know she's not going to do anything. And I've only been around her for a couple of minutes hearing her in the store. It's so easy for me to judge someone else's parenting or call out their flaws and see it in myself. Now, there are a lot of things that I do wrong as a parent, and I don't really notice a lot of them because you just don't see it. And so what you need to start praying, and, and this is the only reason why I've let my kids kind of speak into me a little and why I've been able to do it. It's because my pride has lowered because I've been praying every single day and asking tons of people and all of my studies and all of my groups that I'm in, please pray for my attitude, pray for my eyes to be opened, pray for my pride to go away, pray for my control to go away, pray for all of it to go away. And I, every single day I'm writing it down. I'm, I'm writing down the prayer. I'm on my knees 
I, I am like begging and pleading with God, like, please change me. Please help me. I don't want to be like this anymore. And I've really just been praying and praying and praying and just putting it out there. And when I started praying, I first was praying like, God, take this away from me. Take away my pride. Take, help me with my pride. Help me with my control. Help me with this, this attitude problem. But when I changed my prayer and I prayed, Lord, I know I can't do this without you. I have tried for 32 years and I have been the same and I cannot change this. Holy Spirit, change me, renew me, change me, transform me, take the scales off my eyes so that I can see what I'm doing, put people in my path that will call me out and just change me, renew me. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, if you have asked the Holy Spirit to come live and dwell in your body, you have God inside of your body. And it's only something that you can experience. If you've never experienced this, you probably think I, I sound a little like, woo-woo, like, okay, like, what is she talking about? But it is an experience. If you have experienced this happening, you, you understand this and you feel it and you can tell, but don't underestimate the power of prayer for freedom and not just help me be free from this addiction, but Holy Spirit, change me from the inside out. Make me just be nice. Make me just stop smoking. Make me just stop drinking and, and hold on to that prayer and know that you're going to get a victory and it will happen that you can let go of this anxiety. You can let go of this shame. You can let go of this depression that God will show up and he will heal you. There are so many scriptures. As I was writing my book, I, I stop and I, I'm on gotquestions.org, which is my favorite website to go on and to research anything I have questions on. And while I'm writing my book, I pull up that website and I type in, what does the Bible say about your struggles? And it pops up all of these things of what it says and all these scriptures and all these things that say about the person who's struggling and they surrender to God and God will answer their prayers and God will bless you. And he will answer your prayers for the ones that are righteous to him. You like, it's everywhere in there. You can be healed. You can be restored. But if your focus is so far on, I, I just want to be healed. And that's all you're thinking, but you're missing all these moments now. It's never going to work. It's never going to work if you're always just thinking like, I want more. It's not enough. I need more. I need more people. And you're not accepting what you have here right now. Like we said before, and it's actually at the intro of this podcast. So if you're listening to the recording, you just heard it. But I say, stop saying you don't know what to do. Stop saying that. You do know what to do. You do. You 100% know what to do. You need to start listening to it and listening to that voice is, is trust. It's trusting in God and trust is an action word. We have two podcasts on trust, trust part one, trust part two, that you can go and listen to if this is something that you really struggle with, because a lot of us do. And I really struggled with this. And that's why I recorded two podcasts for it. If you're not taking the steps and the actions and doing what you've already been told to do, you're never going to move forward. So the thing in my head all the time was, God, just tell me what to do next. And he writes your book. I'm like, okay, no, something else. Like, give me something else. 
<laughs> write your book. And so I stopped even asking because I knew the answer. I knew what was next. Don't, don't jump into something else. Don't try to do something else. Write your book. Don't take anything else on your plate. Write your book. So what is God telling you right now? Is he telling you to heal? Because for a long time, he told me to stop and heal. Like he told me, nope, the next thing is not a job. The next thing is actually quitting your job. When I'm like, what's next? What's next? Like, come on, we're, we're going our way to the top. We're going to become a huge motivational speaker. We're going to make millions of dollars. We're going to be well-known across the whole world. Like, let's go. What's next? What's next? What do I got to do? And God's like, oh, by the way, I want you to quit. Like, that's going the wrong way. <laughs> we need to go forward. So let's, what's next? And he told me I needed to heal. And he showed me how broken I was. And he showed me how being a workaholic and being in a high performance, high stress industry of sales was actually ruining my mental health. And I'm not saying it ruins everyone's. Some people thrive in that. Some people, that is exactly where you belong and it is amazing and it's fruitful and you feel great and it's, it's everything. To me, it was filling the void from my abandonment issues, from the desire of being wanted, needed, cherished, um, loved, honored, all of these things that I didn't get because my dad abandoned me when I was younger, that was all being filled by success and money and power and things. And, and then I didn't have to think about any of my junk because I was just focused on the future. And when I was feeling terrible and praying for God to help me, Lord, help me, help me. I am dying here. I cannot do this. That's when he said, let go. Like, just let go. Let go of what you're doing. And let me tell you, it feels 10 million times better to just let go than it does to hold on and just stress and manipulate and scheme and plot and plan. It feels way better to say, you know what? Take it. And it starts with a prayer like that. Just closing your eyes and saying, God, take this. Take this shame. Take this guilt. Take this resentment. Take this, all the resentments from the harms done to me. Or the guilt of all the harms I've done to others. Let, let this go. Change me from the inside. Do change me and help me. And then you need to get yourself plugged into a safe community where you are, you are loved because of who you actually are. And if I didn't have those communities that I'm plugged into, I would be so deep in the Valley that like really makes me, it speaks to me. And I need to add a whole section of that in my book about the power of community and things, because I would still be shackled down at the bottom of the valley if I did not have community. And we created this virtual community for people who, who couldn't because of COVID or because they move all the time or because they're in a new city and they're not comfortable yet or they're not ready yet. We created this virtual online community for people to have a safe place because it was necessary for me. I'm like, I need to find my people. Like, I can't do this out on my own. I, I can't, I'm not strong enough. 
I need people that I can say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is how we get out. Tell me about a book you read. Tell me about what you're doing for parenting. Tell me, you know, when I opened up and I started sharing, I was in a Bible study, which is why I think that everyone needs to find a home church. If your church has hurt you or wronged you, which is a huge reason why most people don't go to churches, go to a different church, read the book, The Bait of Satan by, by John Bevere. The Bait of Satan, where he talks all about how the devil uses offense to get us off our track with our calling and our purpose. The devil wants us to hold on to the resentment. The devil wants us angry. And if you have those feelings, you cannot move into your calling and into your purpose and into the life that you want and that God has designed for you because you're blocking it. You're putting these walls up and nobody can get in the way. Even you, you're in your own way. You're self-sabotaging. We have a podcast on self-sabotage. So if that's something that you really think you're doing, go listen to the podcast titled Self-Sabotage. You need to find a church because you need the community of people that are there. Go church hopping. If your husband doesn't want to go, go by yourself. Find a girlfriend who already goes to church. Say, hey, will you, will you check out some churches with me for the next like three Sundays in a row? We're just going to go to different churches and pray about it and go wherever you feel your spirit is leading you. You don't have to go every single Sunday. The point is you're going to find a community of like-minded people that are going to be open and vulnerable with what they're going through, what they're dealing with, how they're dealing with it, and form connection and bonds, and then join a Bible study where it's more intimate and it's smaller. Join one that you feel your spirit's connected to. You know, you can attend Bible studies at churches and not be a member or attend the church. There are a lot of people who come to our church who don't for Bible studies and for small groups who do not attend our church, but we just offer like a grief share group that their church doesn't offer, or we offer a, um, women's identity study that their church doesn't offer. So go and look at churches around you at which ones have different studies. Most of their small groups are listed right on their website and plug into something. When you do you now get this group of people that you can talk to. And when I shared with my group of, of women in my study on Tuesday nights for our defined study by Priscilla Shire about my struggle with my attitude and my, and with my husband, I had so many women, like every single woman in that group, either while I was there or when I left had messaged me after to either say, Thank you for sharing that because I can relate to you so much. And I felt like I was the only one again, key to their cell door. You're not alone. Let, here we go. It's okay. A lot of us are like this. We'll get through it. They either did that or they said, Hey, I want to tell you about a book. I want to tell you about a study. I want to tell you about a class. I want to tell you about this counselor. I want to tell you about this. I had all these resources just flood and open up because I shared what I was going through in a safe place. Melanie says, I used to resent God because of the people at church that hurt me. Then God showed me that I am supposed to trust him, not people, which is Psalms 118 verse eight. It says people fall short, but that's okay. When we put our identity in Christ, we have the strength we need. I love church now since my attitude changed. I love that. And I almost left my church multiple times because I was offended multiple times. I even told my husband we were leaving. I told my kids we were leaving. I told my mom we were leaving. I would just talk about it to, to all of my family. 
and then I would stay. And then something else would irritate me. And then I would be offended and I would want to leave. And I can't believe this. And I don't like her. And she makes me uncomfortable. And I feel like this, and that's not happening. And just a very critical spirit. And this is also something that you'll have if you're in the Valley where you just see the dark side of things. Like everything's annoying. Nothing is really working out. If you're a pessimist, you're in the Valley because when you're on the peak, you can't help but be in awe of what's happening. Like think about hiking. If you live somewhere where there's mountains, oh, I'm jealous of you, but I love the mountains so much. And I would go to Utah a lot. And every time I went there for work, I would go on a hiking trip. And one of my favorite hiking trips I ever went on was on my birthday two years ago. And John traveled with me and we woke up in the morning, we ate breakfast. We took an Uber to the base of this mountain and we went and we hiked up the mountain. And it was the first time that I actually hiked up a mountain. Up until that point, I kind of just like walked up the hill parts. This time I was like, we're going up for hours. Like, I want to see this thing. And as we're going up, after about five minutes, I'm like, okay, this kind of sucks. Like, Okay. Like I'm getting really tired and my, my head was down because I'm walking up an incline and I'm walking and the ground is dirt with some rocks and some big rocks and some small rocks. So you have to really be careful of your footing. So you don't slip or step on an, a rock and roll your ankle. And my head's down and I'm, it's hot. It's September in Utah. And now it's starting to get hot because the day is starting to go on and I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath and I've already drank half of my water and I'm, I'm walking up this hill, this mountain. And then I stop after like 10 minutes and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is like way harder than I thought it would be. And, and I start just getting really negative. I'm like, you know, my ankle really hurts. My back hurts. I'm getting all sweaty. I shouldn't have taken a shower this morning. Now I have to take a shower again tonight. How long are we going to be doing this? I lost sight of all of the reasons why I was doing this in the first place. And when I stopped to rest is the time that I looked up. Remember that I didn't look up until I stopped to rest. I stopped to rest and I looked up and I turned around and I was just in awe of what I saw. Like only 15 minutes of walking up this mountain. Look at what this looks like. This is incredible. I'm like, let's keep going. We can do like, let's keep going. I want to see what more is let's, let's do this. So I turn around and we go up again for five minutes. I'm exhausted again. I'm like falling behind my husband. He's like, come on, like come faster. Let's go. And I'm, I'm just exhausted and I'm sweaty. And I just think of like my ankle hurts again. And now I'm out of water and I'm so thirsty. And I forgot why we were doing it again. And I stopped to rest and turned around. And it was an even more amazing view. Because when you're getting higher and higher and higher, the view gets better and better and better. When you're standing in the valley of the Grand Canyon and it's dark out, it doesn't really look that grand. It looks probably kind of scary. Like, oh, look at this like cavern. This is, and it's dark now. But in the day, if you're standing at the top and you're looking, the Grand Canyon is one of the most beautiful things that you could ever see. And it's because your perspective is different. You're seeing things in the light. When you're at the peak of a valley or at the peak of a mountain instead of the valley, 
you will, you will be positive. You will have a better mindset. You won't be overspending. You won't be in a negative emotion. You won't be irritated. You won't be coping as much as you were. You won't be angry. You won't be resentful. You won't. And so your emotions can tell you if you're in the valley. And what I want to make for myself is a checklist of how many of these things have you been experiencing lately? And if you score a 25 or higher, you're in the valley. Or if you score a 10 or higher, you're in the valley. Because I want to see so that I can recognize that I'm there and I know how to get out. And getting out, the first thing is admitting. I can't do this. I can't do this. I've tried and I'm exhausted and I'm just sick of these chains and I want to be free and I don't want to be fueled by shame and guilt and resentment and anger and fear and all of these things. I want to just move forward. I want to be fulfilled and I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. Let me add, fulfilled and joyful in your sober life. Because a lot of people are self-medicating or coping with things that are bringing them joy, so they think. And so, of course, you're having fun and you feel fulfilled when you're going out for drinks all day with your friends and you're you know, spending a bunch of money and doing stuff. I'm talking feeling fulfilled and joyful in your day-to-day life where you're sober. Waking up with this spirit of excitement and happy and you're not running late and you're not stressed out and you're not snapping and yelling and irritable. You can't do this on your own. So if you're like me and you have an attitude problem or you just, you maybe you're snappy with your kids and you're guilty of being a little irritable with them or, you know, you're a little short tempered with your husband sometimes or like, let that go and ask, Lord, help me. I give this to you. I cannot do this by myself. Change me. Because the reason why we focus so much on the valley is because you cannot get to the peak until you realize you're in the valley and you walk out. And the peak is purpose. What do I want to be when I grow up? What is the purpose of this life? What am I here for? Those are the things that you find out once you've walked and you've gotten out of this. So don't be tricked. And find yourself back in the valley because you can't move forward. Get out of it. Really reflect on what you're doing and what you're thinking and what your thoughts are. Give them to God and realize that where you are right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. Right now. Even if you don't see the good in your situation where you're like, there is nothing good happening in my life right now. I am under attack. I am in a bad phase of my life. I am in a really bad stage. I've experienced a ton of grief, a ton of loss, a ton of heartache. There is a reason God turns everything around for his good. And you are where you are right now. You are. And it's good. Turn around, take a break, rest for a minute and see how far you have come. See how much God has blessed you with. Look back at your life like Joseph is able to, they're able to look back at Joseph's life and say, God was with him through all of that. Look at your life where you've been and how God has been with you when you left that relationship, when you quit that job, when you moved to a different state, when you had your kids. 
all of these things, how God has been with you, his hand has been on your life, he has been guiding you, he has been moving you down this path, and you are under his hand. And this is only the beginning. You're just getting started. The things that are at the top of the valley, the peak, are things that you would not even imagine. And my favorite statement that Florence makes, and it's the King James Version, because she was lived in the 1900, like she died in 1912, I think. Um, she says, I have weapons you know not of. That's what God says. I have weapons you know not of. Like, don't forget that, that your ways are not his ways. His ways are better than our ways. And he can get you to the peak. All you have to do is just ask and admit and trust him. So think about that over the next couple of days. Come back to the podcast when you're ready for another one. We'll be here live on Wednesday. If you don't have a church community, a home community to plug into, you can plug into ours and get on our Zooms with us live. Just click the link in my bio at Terrence Arconi on Instagram. You can scroll down and you can sign up. We'll send you an email with the Zoom ID and our group chat that we use. And you can be in our community. Doesn't matter if you're in a different country like Melanie. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can be a part of us. Um, we would love to have you as often as you can get on Mondays and Wednesdays. But thank you for being here live, all you lovely ladies. I love you all so much. Alicia, have so much fun babysitting. That's me, baby. Um, Becca, hope you feel better. And um, love all you guys. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you Wednesday. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Terrence Arconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley, and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.